Welcome, and thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to Unikey's very first podcast. I'm Sophia Burton, a marketing coordinator at Unikey, and I'm excited about our first podcast being debuted on International Women's Day. This is to shed light on a very important topic, which is women in tech. We have two very special guests with us today, Connie Klimko, Head of Marketing Digital Services at Siemens, and Dr. Sarah Holderness, author and content producer at Pluralsight. Both of these women have impressive records in the tech industry, and we are very excited to have them here to tell us about their individual career paths and what has inspired and motivated them throughout the years. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to start this podcast with a few questions. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to ask Connie. Connie, go ahead, state your name and your position and what you actually do. Hi, I'm Connie Klimko. So I head up marketing at Siemens Energy uh, within the power generation division, specifically within digital solutions. A lot of there's been so much change in the energy industry in the last three years, and digital is a real way for uh, our energy customers to to help deal with those market changes. And that's what I I do in my daily job. And Sarah, what do you do at Pluralsight? I'm a content creator or author at Pluralsight, so I develop courses. And if you're not familiar with Pluralsight, it's an online training platform for technology skills. So if you're a developer or another kind of technology professional, you would go to Pluralsight to take courses to sharpen your current skill set. I know you guys didn't get there overnight, so I'm curious to know what your career path has been like. Um, I feel like it's probably a long story at this point, but um, so I, I originally majored in math um, the first time I went to college and um, with the thoughts of that I would be a teacher. And then I ended up coaching a tennis team for high school and I realized that I can't discipline anybody. <laughs> so I just figured teaching wasn't for me and computer science was just where all the jobs seemed to be. So I decided to minor in computer science. And from there, I just kind of fell in love with creating things that worked. So I really liked developing from that point. So that's kind of where my career started. Yeah, and I know you have a PhD in computer science, right? Mm -hmm. So why did you decide to go back and do that? Well, coming from a math major background, then to my first software engineering job, I was inspired by all the talented people around me. So I really wanted to sharpen my skills so I could just be more involved in what was happening. And so I decided I wanted to go back to school and I just loved being in school apparently because I was there for um, about eight years. And yeah, I just really enjoyed working on my PhD because I got to do a couple of things I got to do research in um, the interactive systems and human experiences lab and I got to teach which I really loved. Awesome and how did you get started in your career Connie? So I trained as a journalist. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I don't have a STEM background mm -hmm. and um, I 
so I uh, graduated from university in the United States when I was 20 years old with a bachelor's degree um, from Ohio University. And then I moved to Australia for 30 years. Oh, wow. And just recently returned to the United States. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I did a lot of, uh, I had quite a few roles um, in sort of the journalism marketing area. And then I started working for IBM um, about 17 years ago. And I went there basically to help translate the sort of speeds and feeds language into what does this mean for business outcomes that we can achieve for our clients. Mm -hmm. And that actually was a, a skill that a lot of, that was kind of in demand um, in the technology industry was to get away from product features benefits and into what, what is this business problem that this is solving. So, so I did a lot in that sphere. And then when I moved to the United States, I still worked for IBM for a while. And then I started move, working for Siemens just about eight months ago, but it turns out that they need that kind of skill too. So that's sort of been my path. Yeah. And from what I know about the energy industry is that they're kind of behind all the time. So now they're getting into like digitalizing it. And I think that's going to be like huge. Yeah, there's been more change mm -hmm. in the last three years in energy than there has in the previous century. Yeah. So they are sort of later adopters, but that sometimes is good because there's not a whole lot of legacy sort of things that they've been trying to do. There's a lot of them are starting with clean slates. Some energy providers are not even connected to the internet yet. Mm -hmm. So that means that they can achieve change faster, which is, which is a great thing. Yeah, and I know that when you... I saw that you had written something on LinkedIn about moving from New York City to Florida to be closer to family. And in that time, you had no job prospects. You literally moved here and you were kind of like, I'll see what comes to me. Why did you go back into the tech field? That's a really interesting question. And I, I interviewed at quite a few different places when I came down to Florida. I finished up my previous role with IBM at the end of March last year, and then I had a new role with Siemens by the end of June. So I was basically three months. Mm -hmm. And I thought about, you know, what I really wanted to do. And there's just so much change in the area of digital transformation. I mean, it's moving so quickly. And I felt that there still was scope to be talking about how digitalization can bring real benefit, business benefits to, to various organizations. And in my previous role with IBM, I had dealt in industry. So when I saw the energy industry and what it was the changes it was going through, I thought that might be actually a, a great place to sort of focus my efforts. And um, thankfully, Siemens thought so, too. Speaking of family, since you left New York City to go to Florida to be with family, Sarah, I know that you have a toddler, the same yeah. age as my toddler, right. and you're currently <laughs> expecting a baby boy. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. It's wonderful. I want to know, how have you actually balanced the expectations of family life with the expectations of work and, and going to get your PhD? Because I know you recently got your PhD, I think, either while you were still pregnant with your mm -hmm. daughter or right after you gave birth. Right. <laughs> um, well, I think it helps to have a good support system in place. So even before uh, we had a baby, Will and I were married and... You know, I was working and I was working on my PhD. He was in grad school and working here at Unikey. And um, it's just, we supported each other in terms of housework. And that may sound really stupid, but I'm not in charge of it all just because, you know, it's my priority because I'm like the house to be clean. So, you know, he was really helpful in just, you know, doing grocery shopping and doing laundry. And that has carried on to now that we have a baby. <laughs> he's really helpful with 
all of that stuff. So, but as far as having um, a baby and trying to finish my PhD, that was hard uh, because there was just so many balls in the air. It was like a lot to do. So what I did was I was like, okay, I'm going to have to quit one of these things. <laughs> so what I did was we hired a cleaning service. We started getting groceries delivered and we hired a lawn service. So just to kind of take away some of those responsibilities and just realize that you can't do it all. And at Plural Site, how would you describe the environment there for folks that have um, children and families? Yeah, the culture at um, Code School and then when they got acquired by Plural Site has always been amazing and supportive. Um, we have uh, remote days, certain days of the week. We could work from home. Now I'm full-time remote. We have flexible work hours and we have flexible time off. So it's just really worked well for me as far as having a family. So so a lot of new companies are going into like remote and are being more like family friendly. Do you feel like it's been coming now more often now that there are a bit more women in tech? Um, or do you think it's just like an evolving thing? Oh, definitely. I think the workplace is changing because they've just the question is why are there not more women in the workplace well there's not because you're not supporting the fact that we have to balance home and work life so the work home life balance has just become such a huge priority for companies and cultures and just made things so much easier so i just can't say enough about the positive culture we have at plural site and connie you have um Boys or girls? I have a boy and a girl. Okay, you they're have a... they're grown. Mm -hmm. So and 25 they're in college, and 23. Right? They're okay. back in Australia, actually. They they didn't move to the U.S. So I miss them terribly every day. And oh, wow. thank God for FaceTime. I know. And, and they come out every you know six months or a year for for oh, visits. So. That's awesome, though. Yeah. So when you were going through the your career, you were also raising children. Yes. Mm. How would you say um, the tech industry has changed since the time that your children were? very very little to now well I was always lucky I mean it, it, where I've I mean the you know the major employer that I had before Siemens when I was in Australia was IBM and they were always really flexible in fact I took several times I took a year off just to have a break because I would be so I would get so overwhelmed with everything you know with trying to balance the family and do a good job at work and move up the ladder and so a couple of times I just said, I need a break. And they were fantastic. They were like, that's fine. Take the break. Just come back. Mm -hmm. Because in a, in a matrix large organization, often the the institutional knowledge that you carry is so valuable that they don't you know, want to lose you. For, so I had flexible hours. I took breaks. I don't feel that it um, hurt my, my career ascendancy or anything like that. But as far as the flexible arrangements go, I, I did do um, a lot of telecommuting sometimes. I would work from home a couple days a week if if that was practical. I also had a nanny while my children were growing up. So That's I really awesome. relate to all that service economy stuff, like right. and a cleaning person. And and um, my husband and I were very, we approached this as a, a partnership, you know, just because I've never understood the dynamic between a woman and a man. They get married. And because you love someone, why does that mean you then have to worry about if they have clean socks? <laughs> or, I mean, you know, why aren't they, why aren't the men worrying about that right. for you? So, I really think it takes some negotiation around, okay, these things need to be done. Now who will do them? And well, let's try to split them equally. Yeah. And do you think that 
it was the company that was the one putting forth the work-life balance or was it because you were based in Australia and that was like the Australian kind of culture that they well the Australian culture is very they're they're very supportive so for instance people get 12 months paid maternity leave Mm -hmm. in Australia and and it's sort of a democratic socialist country and I I love that about Australia but um so but the company I mean it was up to me to they certainly their feeling was as long as you deliver on your commitments and goals we don't really mind when you do it or how you do it etc so it's up to you to to build in those support systems for yourself. And I was happy, I was happy to do that. At Siemens, they're also very supportive of, I've, I think that's one of the reasons why I, I've settled in so well there is that I love the, I love providing the people who report to me with that flexibility and the company really values diversity, which means that you have to have different kinds of working arrangements for different people at different stages of their lives. What are some challenges that you've faced and that you've had to overcome as a female in the tech industry, in your jobs, in your careers? I think the main challenge is to feel included when you're the only woman in the room, which can happen, obviously. (laughs) Um, So it's not only to your, to challenge yourself to feel included because these are your peers. You obviously have something in common with everybody and you can have a conversation about anything related to why you're there. Um, If you're at a conference or in a meeting and you're the only woman in the room, you can still have a conversation with everybody there and to not just take notice of that and kind of alienate yourself. And with that being said, 66% of women in tech have felt excluded from key social networking opportunities because of gender. So that is a really good point to bring up. Yeah, and I think it's not only your responsibility to try and make yourself feel included, but it's also the company's responsibility to promote a culture of inclusion with networking events, social events, um, and just kind of how the leaders treat their employees. One of the things I love about the digital age is that you can now do a lot of networking that doesn't need to be face-to-face, because when you have a family often you're very focused at work but there's a time that you have to go home and and even you know after work networking things or uh, events can be difficult to make one of the things i love about things like linkedin is that you can make connections and have meaningful conversations and exchanges with people digitally yeah and this is a day and age we live in now is where your digital footprint is so important there are some gender bias stereotypes that come with being a woman in tech, in power, just in your career in general. So what are some that you have encountered and how have you passed them? So I've been really lucky. I, I, I honestly can say that I don't feel I've been a victim of gender bias. If I was, I didn't know. And so that's been great. But I have, I've managed people for a long time and I certainly have had people in my team who have been in situations that have made them uncomfortable and where they feel like there is some bias going on. And I think that as a leader and a woman in a t- in the tech industry, it's my responsibility to build a culture and build an environment where people don't go through those things. And if someone is, you know, if they make me aware that something's happening, then I, they often perceive themselves as powerless and I need to come in and step in and, and help change that situation so that they're not experiencing that bias. So it's important to have leaders Absolutely. Set the tone. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. And so there's five women in this room right now, and we just had a quick conversation before the podcast started. And it sounds like none of us have really 
experienced that in our in our careers, which is wonderful because I don't think 20 years ago that that would have been the case at all or even 10 years ago. So look how far we're coming. That's a wonderful thing. But that doesn't mean that just because we have an experience, it's not happening. So we need to make sure that we do what we can to build an environment where it doesn't happen. Yeah. And I think we can all agree that we've known women who have gone through those things and we've seen it firsthand and it's been something that we luckily and it's wonderful as a as a as a leader I, I feel empowered that i'm actually in a position where i can help if i do find something like that going on i think it's because of leaders like you and the culture that we promote at our companies that just says that kind of behavior is not okay is maybe why in this room we haven't encountered any kind of bias and i just hope that that's setting the tone for the future and cultures will continue to improve well when you link it to profitability that's a great you know that th those cultures change really fast yeah and... that's definitely <laughs> true so it's actually been proven that gender diversity leads to innovation and more profitable companies mm -hmm. so how can we encourage more women to pursue careers in the tech industry i think one thing is to realize that the tech industry needs talent from all levels if you don't have a STEM background, but you are interested in HR or marketing or communications or legal or finance, the tech industry needs you. And then of course we need to create conditions where more girls are undertaking STEM uh, training or education so that we actually have the, the science, technology, mathematician talent as well. What do you think the future of women in tech is? I think it's bright. <laughs> <laughs> I think tech needs women because as you just said, diversity, you know, companies who have greater diversity perform better financially. And so companies are, and it's not just women, it's, it's, uh, it's gender diversity, it's racial diversity, it's LGBTQ, it's all sorts of different um, diversity um, factors that come in to make a company diverse and having lots of different viewpoints and points for innovation, et cetera. So we have eight different diversity and inclusion groups. Uh, we have groups for women. We have a group for LGBTQ. We have a group for people of color. We have a Hispanic group. And not all those groups, we're a global company. So those groups don't necessarily exist in every country, but each country can define their own group. In fact, I just last Friday, I was down here in two blocks away with our pride group, which is our LGBTQ group. And we spent the afternoon talking about what we were going to do for the next year and how we could serve not only the LGBTQ community within Siemens, but the wider community at large and how we can ensure that we are fostering that diversity and inclusion within, within our organization. Sarah, how do you think we inspire younger generations of women to be involved in STEM like you? I think it starts at a really young age. Like if you think about girls and boys toys, like Legos versus dolls, like traditionally boys play with Legos more than dolls and girls play with dolls more than Legos. And I think the marketing around toys has changed and also school programs have included STEM type of activities to inspire people. But so just that focus from a young age, because I think a lot of girls in elementary school can just decide, oh, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at science. And that's just their belief th for the rest of their lives. So the more we can say, no, this is really fun. You can do some fun stuff with it that 
that will change the landscape from the beginning. And I do think it's the responsibility of the parents to kind of help that process as well as the schools. It's not just one or the other, it's kind of both. Like I remember when I was in about to go into middle school, my best friend was going into this special math program at a different school. And so I told my dad and he like turned into a math drill sergeant and was like, well, we're going to pass a test to go to that school. And that, you know, started me hanging out with people that were into math and STEM stuff. So it really probably changed things. Do you think that was like the pivotal point for you for like where you wanted to go later in life? Is that the moment where you're like, oh, well, this is actually fun. I want to major in mathematics when I get to college. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it was a big part of that because I realized like I can actually be good at this if I put in the effort and it's fun and I get to hang out with all these peers of mine that are into the same thing. A lot of tech companies have programs in high schools to encourage uh, everyone to do to undertake STEM, um, but especially girls and minorities. Um, so they know that getting in early in that in those high school years really helps to shape the flow for future talent. Yeah, and even as women not in STEM, like I didn't, I don't have a STEM degree, and you don't have a STEM degree. We ended up in these positions where we're working for tech companies. You don't have to be in a certain bucket to go into the tech industry. You don't have to have a STEM background. You can make your way into it if that's what you're really interested in. I think one of the things that's happening now too is that STEM and technology is being greatly demystified because technology is, is no longer this thing in the corner. It pervades every, I mean, I'm sitting here in this studio with you and you're all communicating via your handheld devices and it just technology pervades every, every nook and cranny of our lives. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes this less scary thing and more just a, a fact. What do you think is the future for women in tech? I think it's definitely changing um, considering I took typing in high school and the first time I took a programming class, I was halfway through college. And just what they offer to high schoolers is just crazy. So I think the more you're exposed to it, and then you can make a decision when you get to college definitively, oh, I think this might be interesting. I'm gonna pursue a career in engineering. And there's more women doing that, so you have more women in your classes. I just think that we're gonna see growth in STEM a lot because of the support systems we put in earlier. If you were listening to this podcast mm, right now mm -hmm. as a young woman, even as someone who was not happy in their career but wants to go ahead yeah, and change it. Yeah, I would like to say something about career changes. Mm -hmm. So as far as careers go, I think that it, there are so many things on the internet that you have the ability to acquire skills and make a career change, like Pluralsight, not to plug Pluralsight, but you could go on there having never programmed before and take a course and pick up a new set of skills and slowly make a career change. And I think that will also change the landscape of, of tech careers. Don't discount because you don't maybe you don't have a STEM background or you know, you're know you worried about, oh, I must not have the qualifications to do that. There are a lot of resources online that, that you could start with. And just take one course and see how you like it. And, and if you feel that that is something that's suited to you, you know, this generation will have something like seven different careers, not jobs, 
in their time. And most most are going to live to be more than 100 years old. So it, st it stands to reason that people are going to have totally different careers in their lives. And so, and I don't think that they do that by saying, well, now I'm going to be a nuclear physicist or now I'm going to you know, do, this, do this or that. I think it, what happens is that either their lives intersect with something that they get very interested in and they go off on that path or they, they look at something, you know, find something online, start with something small and then see how they feel about that and then pursue that you know, into a career. I think it's just going to be this constant cycle of training and learning and then reapplying yourself to perhaps another area, you know, as you as you evolve and grow. Thank you, Connie and Sarah, for joining us today for this Women in Tech podcast. I know that this is going to really inspire and empower a lot of women to either make the change that they want to see or, you know, get involved in, in different areas of their company. Um, Connie, I know you mentioned that Siemens has diversity, diversity groups, yeah. groups, whether you're a woman, a part of the LGBTQ community, a person of color, a person of color. Yeah. Reach out to these other groups like the LGBTQ community, people of color, et cetera, and make sure you're not just so focused on yourself. We have to all bring everyone up together for diversity. And Sarah, you uh, frequent some meetups here in Orlando? Yes. Um, there's women-specific meetups like Pie Ladies and Django Girls and Rails Girls that meet around the country. And also one that's really great in Orlando is Girl Develop It, which is at girldevelopit.com. But it's also in a lot of other cities. And I just think meetups are a great place to network, meet face-to-face, -face, get inspired, and just see what all of the local opportunities are. Yeah, so get out there, look up those uh, meetup groups and those organizations and get coding or, you know, focus on the business development side of the tech industry. Uh, either way, I know many women are needed, so it's up to you guys to really just go out there and, and make it happen. Until next time, this is Sophia Burton from Unity Technologies, and I want to thank everybody for listening. Have a great International Women's Day.